0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Just thank you for your word. We thank you for the incredible things that uh, we are just gleaning from these chapters. And Father, this morning, as we look into um, Joseph's life, we pray that you inspire us, that you would challenge us, and that you would uh, bring us to new truths that would lead us to grow closer to you and to serve you better. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I think with. 43 Uh, we've been in Genesis now uh, for some time and this story of Joseph started around chapter 37 so there's a lot of significance to Joseph uh, his connection to Jacob of course and uh, the story and if you've never studied Joseph's life before there's so many parallels to the life of Jesus so that's a great exercise to do is to study Joseph's life and then look at the parallels to the life of Jesus. there are been so many. Um, so let's do a quick summary of 42. I've got some quick bullet points here. So Joseph's brothers had come to Egypt to buy food. Um, Joseph didn't take revenge on them. Um, there were 10 of them and Joseph's 10 brothers did not recognize Joseph. They bowed his feet just as God had foretold 20 years before. Um, When Joseph had power over their lives already, he was merciful. Joseph was only able to do these things because of God's grace. Um, Of course, Joseph had this longing to see his brother Benjamin. And so at this point in time, he has Simeon in prison. uh, And he let the other brothers go home and he promised them that they would see their brother again. Uh, before they left, um, Joseph loaded up their donkeys with grain because they'd come because of the famine to buy grain. And in that process, I had to return the silver back to them that they'd paid for the grain. Um, but when they found the money in their sacks, of course, they were afraid, like, what the heck's going on? And they were afraid that they were going to get into trouble because of that. Their father, Jacob, at this point, is refusing to let Benjamin go to Egypt, uh, even though the other brother, Simeon, wasn't present. So that's a quick recap of 42. And as you can tell, there's so much going on here. These chapters are absolutely loaded with action. So today's chapter 43 is titled The Second Journey to Egypt. So I'm going to start reading um, at verse 1, and then I'm going to pause at certain places and we'll dig in a little more. So now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they'd eaten all the grain they'd brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy us a little more food. But Judah, and notice who's speaking here, Judah said to him, the man who will solemnly so even though it's their brother there is no recognition it's the man it's a man who has power and influence over them at this point that connection has not been made you will not see my face again unless the man warned us solemnly you will not see my face again unless your brother is with you Uh, verse four if you send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down because the man said to us, you will not see my face again, unless your brother is with you. Um, It's very interesting to note um, who is speaking being Judah. And if you go back to Genesis 37, at that moment in time when the brothers had said, you know, let's kill him, let's get rid of him. This guy is a burden to us. It was Judah that said, let's not kill him, but sell him as a slave. So this is the same guy who had said, let's get rid of him. And so you notice that there has been a change in Judah, some repentance, and clearly... um, you know, because of his father's love for all the brothers, he doesn't want to see the loss of another brother. So there's this heaviness that's, that's on him right here. Now, if you look at the timeline, it's been about 22 years since Joseph was sold into slavery. So, so 17 years of service, jail, all kinds of things. didn't. Um, Yeah, sorry, 13 years of slavery in prison, um, seven years of plenty. Remember, the dream was about the seven years of plenty and the seven seven years of famine. And this is two years into the famine. So it's it's about 17 years um, since he has seen these guys. Now, Judah, at this point, offers to be Benjamin's substitute. And... He was begging to become a slave in place of his brother. Now, is this a real change of heart for Judah? Absolutely, right? And a note I wrote down here is that repentance is not just being sorry that you'll be punished, that's 2 Corinthians 7.10, but repentance is changing your mind, causing you to turn away from sin. So I think we see that a real demonstration here of repentance in Judah of something that happened a long time ago. And we don't know how long this journey took for him to go from where he had been to this place of repentance, but that's where he is right now. So verse 6, Israel, notice the different address of Jacob, Israel asked, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man? You had another brother so what was the promise well, the promise for the generations were that your sons and your descendants would be many right and so the writer is going Israel asked right so you who have been promised a blessing is saying oh, why did you bring this trouble on me But In other words, he's saying, why don't you just lie to the guy and tell him you don't have any more brothers? So we see something interesting here where we see that Jacob does not reach out to God about the situation. He doesn't realize that God's in complete control and that God was keeping his promise to bless him. All he sees is the trouble. And it seems that Jacob would rather have his son's lie then tell the whole truth and so we can assume that Jacob was living in fear and not trusting God so I have a little application here we'll see how this goes so what do you guys see you can type in the chat it's a glass right what's inside the glass is there something in it Well, there's no liquid in it per se, right? But there actually is something in it. There's air in it. Now, if I take water and I try and do this without blowing up my computer and stuff, and I pour liquid into this glass, what is happening? The water is pushing the liquid out of the glass, right? So there was something in it, but now there's something else in it. And I'm going to put this down so I don't make a mess everywhere. (laughs) So now all the air is gone and the water has pushed the air out. Now, just as the water pushed the air out of the glass, trust in God forces the fear out of your heart and mind. Let me say that again. Trust in God forces the fear out of your heart and mind. So we see Jacob is living in this fear right now, right? So there's two parts to fully trust in God. So part one is believing that God is able to do anything. Do you guys believe that this morning? That God can do anything? He's God, right? He can do anything. This means that we are certain that he knows everything and that he has the power to do anything that he wants and there's nothing that he can't do. that's, sorry, I'm mixing this up. Yep, that's part one, okay. So, um, side note. So we need to understand three things about the nature of God as we look at who God is, uh, why do we fear God um, and why we should believe that God has power, God can do anything. So there's three words that I want to touch on here. And it's a little bit of christian and academic. But the first word I want to touch is the three omnis. So omnipotence, right? That means that God is all-powerful and capable of doing anything. And he will do whatever he wants to do. So God is omnipotent. The second one is... God is omniscient, which means that God is all-knowing. All truth comes from God. God knows everything. So there's really nothing. It's a surprise to God. And then the third omni is omnipresence. God is, um, because God has all knowledge and power, that extends to all parts of his creation, and God is present everywhere. So, if we understand these three terms omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, it helps us understand the character and nature of God, that He is everywhere at all times, all knowing, able to do everything. So, the first part um, to fully trust in God is believing these things about God. Okay, we're good so far? Tracking with me? Thumbs up. Okay. So, part two. Now, part two to fully trust in God is we have to believe that God is good and that he's willing to do what is best for you every single time. Now, there's a little caveat to this, right? We have to believe that God is willing to do what is best for us. His best for us might not be what we want. That's the tough one, right? God's best isn't always what we want but his best is the best thing for us. Okay. Now, if you trust that God is able and willing and that he's going to allow what is best for you, then what what is there to fear, right? We don't need to fear anything. The Bible says that if you fully trust the Lord, you will stand firm with a strong heart and you will not fear. Um, Let me give you a two verses here. Um, Psalm 112, verse 7. Um, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. So, words of David, and then I'll give you another one from Hebrews 11:27. By faith, he left Egypt, and who's that? Okay, it was Moses at the time. Not being afraid of the danger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible, right? So here's a question I have for you right here. What fear is holding you back from fully trusting God? I think about that. And just like, you know, Jacob had something that was, well, there's a lot of things driving him, right? He had lost one son already. He was afraid of losing a second son who was in captivity in Egypt. And then the possibility of losing a third son, right? If he sends Benjamin with these guys, there's a risk of, do I lose number three? Do I lose all of them? And so Jacob is living in this fear. Um, they're also in a famine, right? So he's living in fear of, how will I provide for my family? You know, how will I, how are we going to make it? So what fear is holding you back and fully trust in God? Verse seven. Okay, they replied. The man, it's so interesting that Joseph is still the man, questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. And that should have been a clue, right? This guy's really digging into who they are. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How are we to know? He would say, Bring your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy along with me. We will go at once so that we and you and our children may live and not die. And so there is that fear, right? That this family is living in. Um, We need this food. If we don't get this food, we're not going to make it. We need the provision. Um, I myself will guarantee safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him if I do not bring him back to you and set him here before you I will bear the blame before you all my life so notice again here is Judah who has you know he is part of the reason that his brother's not there he's Joseph and Simeon and he's saying I'm willing to take on the responsibility so a total change of heart a total 180 here As it is, if we're not delayed, we could have gone and returned twice. So that's a very interesting statement in verse 10. Now he's saying, some time has passed that we've been going back and forth talking about this. And he says we could have gone and returned twice. Now, the distance to Egypt from Canaan was approximately 200 miles. And so this journey would have taken about 10 days. So we've got to guess that it's been two to three weeks that they've been talking about this so Judas saying you know if we hadn't waited this long we could have gone and come back twice again but it just shows that what's going on in jacob's head and that the food they have you know is going to run out and now they've got to the place where well we've got to make a decision we've got to go but there's been a lot of time and a lot of processing going on. Um, verse 11. Then their father Israel said to them Notice again, it's Israel, people of the promise. If it must be, then do this put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift a little balm and a little honey some spices and myrrh, some uh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Now, I I did a little little research on this and the significance of some of these items, um, the honey from where they lived was far superior to what they had in Egypt at the time. Um, And Canaan was well known for almonds, was very plentiful there. So this is what they have. Um, take double the amount of silver with you. Why? Because you must return the silver that must put back into the mass of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Yeah. Perhaps it was a mistake. 13. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy. And so, yeah, we begin to see a little bit of a change. May God grant you mercy before the man, so they will let your brother Benjamin, your other brother and Benjamin come back to you. So that's Simeon. As for me, I am bereaved. I am bereaved. So we see this reliance on God starting to come back. Right? May God have mercy on you. And he's expressing this really heavy bereavement that he's feeling at this moment um okay so 15 so the men took the gifts and double the amount of silver and benjamin also they hurried down to egypt and presented themselves to joseph when joseph saw benjamin with them he said to the steward of his house take these men to my house that's pretty significant right he's saying take them to my personal place of living Right, So there's something, there's honor being associated to them. Um, Slaughter an animal. Again, (laughs) something that's not usually done, all right? And prepare a meal. They had to eat with me at noon. So noon was the main meal of the day. That's when dinner happened. But do you notice a parallel here? So do you remember another another time where a, a son returned... Something was slaughtered. Um, this brings to mind the parable of the prodigal son, right? That uh, he hero that was once last returned. Um, I see you coming back to me, let's celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Um, but while he was still a long way off, this is Luke 15, 20, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And I can just imagine Joseph, You know, much like the prodigal father, day after day, looking, scanning the horizon, uh, where are my brothers, are they coming back? And I guess in his heart was that hope that they would return repentant. Verse 17. The man did as Joseph told him and took the man to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought... We were brought here because of the silver that was put back into our sacks the first time. Uh, he wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. And so, what's a little different here from the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal son returns, you know, there's rejoicing and happiness, and you know, he is experiencing the joy of the um, the restitution. But in this case, they are still living in the fear of consequences, you know, because they think they did something wrong. And so they're actually fearing uh, for their lives right now. Verse 19. So they went up to Joseph steward and spoke to him at the entrance of the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. But at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of his sack. So we have brought it back with us. We've also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know We put the silver in our sacks. It is all right, he said. Don't be afraid. This is such a powerful verse. Your God god of your father has given you treasure in your sacks i received your silver and then immediately they brought Sumyan out to them i don't know if you notice what's going on here but this is a this is an amazing verse first of all you start by saying hey don't worry it's okay don't be afraid why because your God, and notice how he distinguishes was Egypt, right? A place of many gods and worshipping all kinds of false things. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. And that's pretty incredible. Then he brought Simeon after them. Now, they were very afraid at first. Because they believed they were in trouble. Um, because of the money that was put back in their sacks. They were very nervous and um, explained that they want to return the money. And then we just went through, don't be afraid. The God of your father has given you the riches in your sacks. Joseph's servant acknowledges God's gift and confirms that the free grain was an undeserved gift of grace. They didn't deserve this gift. It was a free gift. Um, and then the promise of their brother being released is confirmed, right? So are you starting to see something here? Undeserved gift of grace? Are you starting to see the parallel? Um, Jesus, who is God's gift of grace to us that we didn't deserve, was given to us, right? God said, don't worry. I know that sin has come into the world. I know that you live in a fallen place. But don't worry. we am going to go back to verse 23. don't it's all right, God says. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure. That treasure for us is the gift of Jesus, right? Don't be afraid. I have that gift for you. Um, 24. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet, and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon, because they heard they were to eat there. Now, this is a great honor for them to eat with the, with especially with a man, right? With these Egyptians, um, they bowed down before him to the ground. Rumbi's dream. Like 20 years ago, and he asked them how they were. And he said, How is your aged father? You tell me about, is he still living? And so we can see this yearning for um, reunion, this yearning for coming together with his father. They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. I remember in Genesis, Genesis 37. In the dream, Joseph described how twice his brothers would bow down to him and we see this coming to fulfillment. So everything that God had shown Joseph is coming true. Um, As he looked about, I can imagine Joseph kind of looking at these guys going, where's Benjamin? Where's T. Benjamin, Um, his own mother's son? Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, "God is gracious to you, my son." Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. So, remember that um, Joseph is his full brother. You know the others are Leah's sons. Um, Joseph and Benjamin are Rachel's sons. So this is his. Four brother if I can put it that way so Joseph at this point is still testing them right he's looking to see this true repentance Um, he's feeling compassion Um, the weight of seeing them together has brought him to a place of deep emotions so he separates himself Um, he goes to cry and he goes all right I'm gonna go give me a moment I'll be back and even though his brothers who sold him into slavery did a detestable thing and were worthy of punishment, that is not what they receive. They receive free grain the first time. And this, this trip, they invited in to dine with the master. Right, They are given the highest honor. And so, again, it's reminding me of God's gift of grace to us, right? Um, what has God want from us? So one. God rejoices when we repent, right? When we change our mind and turn away from sin, Luke 15, 10. So God rejoices when we repent. And Number two, God longs for every person to repent. So 2 Peter 2, 9. God wants everyone. It's not just some people. He wants all of us to repent. And then the third point under this, um, God forgives everyone who repents, right? So he calls us to repentance. He rejoices when we repent. And then God does forgive everyone who repents and of his sin and puts his trust in Jesus. So Acts 2, 38. Acts 20, 30, 21. Our repentance restores our relationship with God, just like Joseph is about to restore a relationship with his brothers. Um Repentance, restored our relationship with God. So verse 31, 32, after he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, serve the food. They served him by himself. So they then sat together the part of the culture. um, And the Egyptians were ate with with him by themselves because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him in the order of the ages, from the firstborn to the youngest. And they looked at each other in astonishment when portions were served to them from Joseph's table. So in the culture, especially in the Egyptian culture, if you were served from the master's table, from the food that he had, it was a very high honor. And usually they would give a person who was considered to have favor a double portion. So when portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as everyone else's. So not only was he honored, he was five times honored um, because of that relationship he had with his brother. And he doesn't know his brother right now, so they feasted and drank freely with him. Okay, so this has been a pretty incredible chapter, right? And I'm going to do a little summary here. So what's the theme or themes that we've been picking up throughout this? There's a huge theme of repentance, forgiveness, and restoration, right? This is what God wants to do in us, in our lives. He wants us to turn from sin, experience forgiveness, and be restored. So question, application question for you. What fear is holding you back from fully trusting God? Do you believe that God is able to do anything? Do you believe that God is good, that he's willing to do what is best for you, which may not be what you want, but what is best for you? Um, Second point, is there something you need to repent of that is potentially holding you back from receiving the blessing that God is waiting to give you, right? What are you holding on to? What does God want to take from you that God's going to rejoice about when you repent of it? Uh, Remember that God longs for you to repent, and God forgives those who repent. And then, you know, as I was preparing for this, you know, I can see the names of most people that are on today, but there might be somebody listening today or this morning. There might be someone who listens to this later today or later this week. And you've never experienced a relationship with Jesus. And you're longing for someone to say, hey, come in and feast with me. Come in and experience the blessing and fullness that I have for you. Or Jesus is inviting you to his table today. You just have to say yes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Uh, Will you take control of my life? Will you be the leader of my life? I repent and turn away from those sins that I've done wrong. Um, If that's you, would you let us know? Oh joy! Am I still on? Something happened over there. <laughs> you guys still hear me? Okay, great. I was indicated that I was signed out. Okay, so you know, if if today is the day that you need to say yes to Jesus, I don't know who you are, but Jesus is inviting you in. He's inviting you into the feast. So. If you are feeling everything that I've just mentioned, you know, say yes to Jesus today. Jesus is waiting to welcome you into his family. So come to him, right? Come to him. If you have something to repent of, give it to him. God wants to rejoice in in your repentance, he wants to forgive you. Well, thank you guys. This has been a fun uh, self this morning. Um, let's pray, and um, we'll see you next time. So, Father, we thank you for um, who you are, that you love us so much, that you are desiring for all of us to repent of those things that are holding us back from the blessing that you have for us. Father, we know that you rejoice when we repent, and, Father, we are reminded that repentance is at 180 degree not being sorry, but actually turning away from those things um, that are not righteous in your eyes. Father, we pray that we would have compassion like Joseph. Maybe it's been years that we've spoken to someone, a family member, um, someone who's wronged us, but Father, um, along with repentance uh, comes forgiveness, and maybe you're calling us to some new forgiveness today and forgiveness that... um, might free us from years of bondage that we've been in because forgiveness isn't always for the other person. More often than not, it's for us, Father. And we recognize that. So Father, we love you. We are so thankful for the gift of Jesus, for the undeserved gift that you gave us. Father, we just want to thank you. We worship you and we praise you this day for that tremendous gift that you've given to us. Father, we commit this day to you, each person that's on this call. And Father Maybe the one person that's going to listen to this later that's not had a relationship with you. We celebrate um, the lives that you can change. And we worship you, we praise you, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.